Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Iranian Market Minute. Today is Monday, August 1st, and this is episode number 162. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Kind of a quiet day out there in the markets with the Canadian market closed. <clears throat> Have an interesting uh, topic to, to discuss in the mailbag section today. It's going to be a very short episode. Um, I'm working on the newsletter for August that will be out tomorrow morning before the market opens. So going to spend the bulk of my energy on that today and not on this podcast, but just a couple of points to touch on briefly before I leave you for the day and see you again tomorrow. Jumping into the mailbag section here, the spot price is up 25 cents from Friday's close, 48.75 a pound mid-market. Still relatively quiet in the spot market overall, and spot still very quiet, although they did purchase 100,000 pounds on Friday. And as they continue to trade at a persistent discount to their net asset value, they are not raising any money here issuing shares, but they have been slowly uh, dwindling out their cash position, buying 100,000 pounds here, 100,000 pounds there. They purchased 200,000 pounds last month total. And on the first day, uh, excuse me, uh, actually that is 300,000 pounds in July in last month because Friday's purchase qualified for that. Um, so relatively small volumes, all things considered, uh, now that they purchased what close to 16 million pounds year to date. So they've been pretty hamstrung by the risk off tone in the markets across the board. They do, they have been able to shrink that discount to NAV slightly, closing at minus 4.55% on Friday. The trust obviously was closed in the Canadian markets today. The US markets that did trade down a couple percentage points on low volume, um, nothing really to write home about. <clears throat> and they're now sitting on 49.7 million in cash in their treasury. Turning to the ETFs, URA reported a very large increase, 550,000 outstanding shares. Uh, that led to 8.2 million in new mandated buying. URNM reported no change in outstanding shares. Um, on Friday, the, the equities definitely crept a little bit higher. We had a very strong week last week. Many of the equities were up 10 to 20% on the week. Very, very strong across the board. Today, the stocks came in a little bit. As I mentioned, everything is pretty low volume with few exceptions. And uh, the Canadian markets closed. So honestly, I'm just going to skip the charts for today and go right into the mailbag section. So in the mailbag section, I had a couple of questions come to me about because um, Adam Prom's Q2 report that came out. Uh, uh, let's see, their operational update that was released today. And a couple of people were mentioning this on Twitter. Some interesting conversations happening there. By the way, if you're not on Twitter, you really should be, if only to uh, communicate with others that are interested in the same things you are in terms of investments. It's a very happening place for investments across the board, and you can find your niche on Twitter when it comes to investing. Um, <clears throat> and there's definitely a, a thriving and uh, fun and supportive community with uranium investing. And it's been a pleasure, honestly, to be a part of that the past five plus years, and it just continues to grow and change. And there's a real cast of characters there now. It's quite quite the enjoyable um, enterprise. So I, I would suggest to you to get on Twitter and start following me at Uranium Insider and um, at, at John Quake, at uh, Quakes99, John Quakes. There's so many others. I'm not going to list them off here. If you follow myself in Quakes, you'll get plugged into everybody else. 
Um, but either way, let's discuss CAP's uh, operational results. So some really important points here that uh, that are worth noting. And I would say that the most important point here is that their production was down 7% in the second quarter of 2022 versus the second quarter of 2021. So this is important to understand that this is not a result of um, uh, disruptions due to the war in Ukraine, let's say. This is not a result uh, due to transportational issues. This is a result of uh, production primarily. And what does that mean? That means that the manner in which Kazatomprom and their JVs mine for uranium in Kazakhstan is ISR, that's in situ recovery. That's a series of wells that are drilled, um, injection and recovery wells. And these wells are injected with, in, in Kazakhstan's case, Kazatomprom's case, sulfuric acid. Sulfuric acid is the lixivient. This is the, the liquid agent that is injected into the ore body. Um, and it's it it interacts with the mineral and binds to the mineral. And when you extract that fluid in the extraction wells, sulfuric acid is binding to, in this case, uranium. And uh, the geology is perfect in Kazakhstan for this process. And uh, so that sulfuric acid is very important. Obviously, the availability of that in order to extract the mineral is crucial. But really what um, the, the important point here to make is that there's a lag time for production, okay? So when, because Adam Prom does their well field development, um, they have to go through the process of actually drilling the wells, casing the wells, lining the wells, um, uh, uh, setting up the entire facility for injecting that lixiviant, for extracting lix the lixiviant, for storing the, uh, the, the mineralized solution and sending that off to be processed. And this entire process takes time. And it also takes time for the ore body to become, let's say, saturated with that lixiviant, with the sulfuric acid, prior to uh, the actual production of uranium really kind of ramping up. And, and there's a steep curve, right? So you have that, that well field development and the initial injection of the sulfuric acid into the ore body, and that takes a number of months. Um, the ore body becomes uh, saturated with that sulfuric acid, and uh, the production starts to in increase as the the extraction well is pulling out what's being injected in the injection well, and that fluid is moving through the ore body. So you're looking at about six months from the initial wells to drill before there's any production whatsoever. Then you're looking at 12 to 16 months for that production to peak of that series of wells, okay? And this has to be going on constantly, essentially, for Kazatom Prom. Now, they don't drill a lot of wells in December, January, February. That's the winter time. It's very, very harsh in Kazakhstan. So they do the bulk of their well drilling spring through autumn there in the Northern hem Hemisphere, obviously. So that would be, let's say, March through October, maybe into November. But March through October really is the bulk of their well drilling season, and especially in the summertime. So the production that we're seeing now in the second quarter of this year really is a result of the drilling that happened in the second, uh, you know, the late first quarter into the early third quarter of last year. Think about, okay, last year. So last year, all things considered, was, was a relatively normal year. I, I'm cracking myself up by saying that because everything just seems so insane. 2020, we had just, you know, the craziness around the presidential elections in the United States and COVID and the various absolutely insane responses by various governments around the world to COVID in 2020. That trickled into 2021, of course, but I would say that, 
you know, late spring into early autumn 2021 was about as normal as it's been for the world since, you know, the second quarter of 2020 when things really went crazy in markets and economies and COVID and et cetera, et cetera, right? So this really was a time, especially on the heels of them shutting down well-field development in 2020. They shut it down for six months. That I believe that was in, starting in April. So that would have been April to uh, October, November, if I recall correctly, for Kazadam problem, not doing any well-field development. I might be off on those months, but essentially it was the bulk, uh, you know, six months of the year starting roughly in spring. I don't remember if it was March or April. I think it was April. And so, um, you know, the wells that they had established continued to produce during that period of time, but they were doing zero well-fill development. At least that's what they had stated. So then you had the winter of 2020 where they didn't do any well-fill development, very little uh, due to weather conditions. Then you had the spring, summer, autumn of 2021 when you would think they would have been trying to make up for lost time and perhaps they did and they probably did. Now we're seeing the results of the well-field development that happened in 2021 and what is it showing? 7% reduction in production year over year. So the 2019 well-field development that led to the 2020 production that was relatively normal. So we're down from that, which is quite interesting, okay? Uh, we're down from 2021's production, which was uh, which was implicated by 2020's well-field development, which we know was uh, severely impacted. So very, very interesting to see that those production numbers are down year over year because we know that 2021 was imp impacted by 2020's well-field development decline. So all of that is to say that uh, for the world's number one producer, because Adam, I'm producing, what is it, 23,000, 24,000 tons. It's about 60 million pounds, just under 60 million pounds for the year. Uh, that's what they're shooting for. Um, for them to be off by 7% is noteworthy. They're also noting, I believe it was a 34% increase in their all-in sustaining costs. Now, they did mention another noteworthy point that they purchased in the spot market during the second quarter. Very curious. So if they purchase in the spot market during the second quarter and those spot purchases went to fulfill contracts, that will uh, th that cost will be applied to those all in sustaining costs. So we need more information on that, on that whether or not uh, the spot market, market purchases were part of that 34% increase year over year in uh, all in sustaining costs for their production. It's quite possible that it did either way of course, they're likely seeing big ramps in production costs due to everything that's going on in the world in terms of supply chains and labor shortages, et cetera, et cetera. So to wrap this all up and put a finer point on it, because uh, uh, I, I can't go much longer today, the number one producer producer in the world is not only having problems with transportation through their typical route, Port of St. Petersburg in, in Russia, but they're also seeing declines in production. Um, they saw that their their uh, interim CEO got canned. That was just a couple of months ago. Perhaps it has something to do with this um, this fall in production. Perhaps not. That's entirely speculation. And when I say canned, that's kind of a harsh word. According to them, he walked on his own volition. Nobody really knows exactly, right? But um, clearly, they are still a very, very important producer on the global stage. And um, there's a clear value play here, of course, but uh, they're they're hitting they're they're coming up against some issues here. So uh, at a juncture, especially now that Kazatomprom and Kazakhstan, generally speaking, are trying to do their best to align themselves with. And when I say the West, 
um, it's really ex-Russia. So they, clearly they're they're very much aligned with China. Um, China gets uh, purchases, let's say, about half of the production coming from Kazatomprom directly, and then they have JVs. Um, so China gets a huge amount of the uranium that comes comes from Kazakhstan on a year-over-year basis. So clearly they're a partner in many ways. And then Kazatomprom has been historically a very large um, provider of uranium to the West, to the OECD countries, to the EU, to the US, et cetera, globally, really. But they're distancing themselves from Russia. And uh, because of this, what we're really trying to put a point on is that uh, the, the West is undergoing a, a very fast shift towards a bifurcated market where they're seeking pounds away from Russia, okay? Because Adam Prom wants to make sure that they are aligned with the West and that the West will continue to continue to work with them, purchase from them, contract with them for U308 going forward, regardless of their uh, historic ties to Russia. So right now, we're, with we have where while we have all of this um, pressure on the conversion and enrichment markets, we know what's coming for the U308. And to see that the largest producers in the world are having problems with their production, even, even to the tune of 7%, all right? We're already seeing that Cameco is saying they're going to buy in the spot market this year because they expected 5 million pounds from the MacArthur restart. And they said in their quarterly conference call that last week that they'll be lucky to get 2 million pounds. Not their words, mine. But they said 2 million pounds for 2022 because Adam Prom down 7% uh, quarter, year over year for the second quarter. Will those production declines continue through the end of the year? Will we see uh, by the end of the year a significant reduction in total production from uh, from Adam Prom? We don't know. That is possible. But what we do know is that demand for U308 is about to hit us and it's going to hit us hard. And all we need is for the utilities to contract for their conversion and enrichment, get a grasp of, uh, especially for enrichment, get a grasp of uh, the tails assays that they will be contracting for, for the period that they are uncovered. So whether that's 2024, 2025, 2026, when you know you're about to sign a contract with Urenco for X amount of kilograms at EUP at four and a half percent, and uh, and that's going to be at a tails assay of 0.29. That tells you how much uranium you need. And so you deal with that first, then you go get the uranium. That's what's coming. And so for the producers to be implicated and, 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 and to be having these problems with production is a potentially big deal. All right, I'm gonna leave it at there because I have to go. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Uh, if you are a member, look in your mailbox, in your email before the open tomorrow morning for the August monthly newsletter. We're going to go deeper into these issues I've discussed today, especially when it comes to the fuel cycle and a number of elements happening globally that are impactful to this investment thesis. Um, it's gonna be a 35 plus page letter and we're grinding on it at the moment. So that'll be out tomorrow. And I will also be here tomorrow. So I will see you again on this podcast. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Cheers.